0: There's three stages of the company. Number one, there's the startup, there's the grow up, and then there's the scale up. And I think that getting a company from zero to 1 million, getting it off the ground, really being able to take it to that next level, you're hiring the team in place, you're putting the processes in place, you're thinking about what is the long-term strategy of the business. And then the third component is scale up. What do we need to do to go from 100 million to a billion? What do we need to do in terms of thinking about hiring the next level executive team? What do we need to do to think about prepping ourselves up for IPO readiness? regulatory compliance, meeting with potential bankers, going through all of that process. And I think there's three very different
1: stages of the company. What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, Mr. Bicycle, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. In today's episode, I talked to our very own, one of my good friends, Eamon Al-Abdullah. He is the current CEO of AppSumo. He personally led the business from $4 million when we thought it was almost going to fail to now over $85 million in revenue. But as we enter our next phase of growth, he recommended that we actually find our next CEO. Reflecting back on Amon's six years at AppSumo, there are so many golden nuggets along the way. I literally can't believe we're giving this away for free, but it's so valuable for you if you've ever wanted to grow and scale a large company. As well, we're paying $100,000 if you, yes, you can refer our next CEO. So if you know someone who is a woman, man, really impressive person, please email CEO at AppSumo.com with their LinkedIn profile, and you have to know this person. In this conversation, you're gonna learn three gigantic things. Number one, the five fundamentals of being a CEO. Two, the different stages of growing a company. And three, Eamon's highlights and lowlights from running AppSumo. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. And if you haven't signed up for the AppSumo.com newsletter, we are the number one digital marketplace for entrepreneurs. So if you are starting or growing a business or wanna see what the latest tools are online, go to AppSumo.com and sign up for the newsletter. Also, a special pre-show shout out to every single one of you sexy bastard listeners. Seriously, I love that you guys listen to the show. I love when I get to meet you in person or see your comments or see your tweets. I really hope that these conversations and the stuff that we put out really impact your life positively and you have an awesome day. How's it been to run a company? Oh, it's been a fucking breeze. It's so easy. Like
0: zero sleepless nights. Coffee. No stress. So it's funny, like you, you kind of talk about the different, there's different stages of the company and at every stage being CEO is completely different. So being CEO right now, running a company now is very different than, than it was three years ago, six years ago. I mean, honestly, even three months ago, like the, the company's evolving so quickly that you got to ask me in a specific week, how is it running? Every week is different, you know? What do you learn? Like, what do you, what do you learn about how to be CEO? The great thing is that there are so many incredible business books from incredible business leaders, so many incredible business books. But I think the problem is that most business books you can learn everything you need in the first two chapters, and everything else is just reiteration. And so you've got to treat business books like prescription drugs, right? Hey, I have a cold. What is the prescription? Oh, there's a book on hiring. Perfect. I'm going to read this book on hiring, in and out. I'm going to solve the problem and move on. I'm constantly blocking and tackling by figuring out what are the problems that I'm having today that I need to solve with these prescription books. And then number two, what are the problems that I have today that are small that are going to extrapolate into something big two years from now? I'm constantly asking myself, okay, what's a problem two years from now? We need to, I need to at least start to familiarize myself with today. So that way it's not a surprise. What's an example of that? Uh, I mean, example of that is right now scaling, right? Two years ago, we were less than 30 people. You're not needing to worry about communication trickling down, communication breakdowns. And so figuring out how do companies at our size handle communication? Like we were all having weekly meetings all together at once. We couldn't do that anymore. We couldn't, all, we, we couldn't sit on a table and have the meetings the way we had two years ago. And so how does communication trickle down from a small meeting to the broader company? So thinking about those things two years ago, executive hiring, thinking about those things two years ago, just getting ready for the next level just thinking about that two
1: years ago. What did you imagine when you took the job at AppSumo? Mm -hmm. You know, you're working at Microsoft, you applied to be a marketer, you come on, Mm -hmm. Anton trained you and that, what were you expecting this to, to all look like?
0: Bro, I don't know, man.
1: It was it was wild. Like, thinking back
0: six years ago, we jump on a call and I'm like applying for one job, and you're like, yeah, that job's unfilled. I'm like, well, what am I still doing talking to you? And you're like, well, we got this other gig, and it's, it's to help run AppSumo. And I'm like, my eyes lit up. I'm like, what? Like, i had been a customer since 2011, longtime fan of AppSumo, longtime fan of you. And uh, to have this opportunity to run a seven-figure company, I was like, hell yeah, like, let's do this. I Like, I'd never even moved. I would never even visited Austin. I moved to your site on scene uh, for the opportunity. And so I was excited. Yeah. And it's been, it's been quite a ride for six years now. What did you expect? Yeah. what Did you have anything coming in? I mean, I expected to learn a lot. Um, I expected it to be tough. Admittedly, I expected a little bit to fail. All right. I didn't even do the full move until like three months in. I'm like, let me just make sure that like, I don't get fired. But I mean, I expected to learn, you know, I think like that was the main thing. It was like an opportunity to learn from you, an opportunity to learn from Anton, an opportunity to learn from the entire company. I mean, I'd been a longtime fan of AppSumo and really learning like, you know, we, we talked about this, like started and sold a couple of companies that had stalled. And I wanted to see like, what does it take to run a company at seven figures and mm-hmm. see if, if we can get it to eight figures and like, Hey, now, now we're approaching nine figures, which, which is fucking insane. And so what I expected more than anything was growth, you know, personal growth as well as the company growth. And, uh, I got that more like in spades. I mean, I think that's, that's the reason I've been here for, for six years now, you know, it's just the incredible growth. That I've had both personally, professionally, and yeah. uh, and for the company. Yeah, I mean, you've done phenomenal. Well, I appreciate it, man. Phenomenal. I really appreciate it's, it. It's, uh, man, it's been super fun. I feel like it's a perfect fit between like what like my skill set was and like what the company needed at the time. It, it's a testament to the incredible foundation that y'all set. You know, being able to step in and really be able to like run the playbook, <laughs> yeah, and then you know, iterate it and improve on it on time. Like, I think it was just the perfect alchemy to get it to to the point where now we're knocking on a hundred million.
1: But here's one thing I'm thinking about that, and we're going to go into some deeper questions around this. Is like, what do you think? I have a guess. Yeah, I'll say it afterwards. But okay. what do you think your superpower is?
0: Interesting. What do you think my superpower is? I think if there was one thing that I could attribute to the success of the company is hiring the right people. I think like finding the diamonds in the rough, like finding the incredible folks that have the potential to really take it to the company to the next level. You know, I'm thinking about the alone of the world: uh, Ullman, Candace, Nick, no. Yeps. I mean, finding these incredible people that didn't come from a tech background sometimes. <laughs> and it's like,
1: and being able to like, like- Subway sandwich, you're like,
0: yo, you <laughs> can code. Like being able to plug them yeah, in man. and like seeing, the opportunity, seeing, seeing their potential, I think is, is a testament. Number one, I think it's like part of the absolute ethos is like rooting for the underdog and like helping them so. get to that next level and really giving them a career opportunity that maybe they would have never gotten anywhere else. And I think like more than anything, like I, I give all of the, the success that we've had away to the team. Because we would not have been able to accomplish anything that we've had without the team that was put in place. But uh, I think like if I was, it was one thing, the superpower, curiosity of
1: yours, they'd probably be putting that team in place. I was talking with Alex, who's our advisor in marketing. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was talking about hiring you know seasoned people, and he's like, there's something about hiring people that are wanting to prove themselves about the level of hunger, right, and the amount that they'll actually work to prove themselves, which I think you've done an amazing job with yeah. Lona, Nick, Mel, Candice, Yebes, yeah. like hello, everyone. Yeah. Uh, so I think I would definitely say you've hired a very unique style of team. Yeah. Plus, it's like everyone from Florida. <laughs> you, know, I'm like, you called Miami before it was Miami. Yeah. Just call me Francis Suarez. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. like the Austin Francis. Right. And, um, I'd say that you, that was phenomenal. I actually think one of your other superpowers is consistency. Hmm. Interesting. And I think that's a very undervalued, uh, superpower. I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Very consistent. Well, I mean, coming from
0: the most consistent person, that dims a lot. Yeah. I mean, dude, you like do like 100 push-ups every day for the last 10 years.
1: You know, like you you have a a lot of routine. Like you you are very consistent. That's interesting because I think of myself sometimes as inconsistent, but I think there are things I am consistent with, but I guess I knock myself on the things I'm not. Interesting. I guess I just admire with the company specifically, there are times where I just get bored. True. But I think that's your superpower. (laughs) Honestly, like, I mean, like, you know,
0: like. Tim Cook is the perfect CEO for Apple right now. Steve Jobs would be would be terrible for Apple right now. But Tim mm-hmm. Cook would be terrible to start Apple. And so I think it's about finding your own superpower and plugging into where where does your skill lie to the stage of the company. I want to call it board. I would consider it you you like to get things going off the ground, right? And you're like, well, once it's off the ground, like all right, what's the ne- what's next? Yeah, what's next? Like I I'm ready to pass the baton. And I think just recognizing that as your skill and your superpower I think is is I mean just the relationship that you and I have had. You're like, "Hey, let's start AppSumo. Pass it to Anton. Pass it to me." And uh, you know, just recognizing what the, that superpower is, I think, is super
1: important. So, I mean, this is one of the the favorite things people like, and you know, we're talking about it. So, mm-hmm. you've been here six years running the company. You know, five and a half years. Yeah. What do you say as the CEO? Some of the key lessons that you give to other people who want to become CEOs in, in this experience. I do a CEO school in three minutes. I I, yeah. I mean, we have. 40 minutes, 40
0: minutes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's learn how to learn how to be a CEO of nine figure company in, in five minutes. so I, I, I'm always reminded of this one story of, Alan uh, Allen Stein He's an author. He actually, uh, he studies top performance athletes and he actually got an opportunity to ask uh, Kobe Bryant. Hey, do you mind if I watch and sit in on one of your practices? Cause he coaches youth basketball and, uh, Kobe's like, yeah, sure. No problem. He watches Kobe for 45 minutes practice the most basic layups and the most basic jump shots for 45 minutes like that was his entire practice you would think this is the world's best basketball player at the time he would be doing advanced spin moves 360 dunks some of the most advanced most like top of the line basketball skills but instead he's just focusing on the basics and after the practice was done kobe's sweating he's done he just did the basics alan asked him he's like kobe you're the best basketball player in the world for 45 minutes, I watch you do the same things I do with my children, like the kids, the youth basketball league. He's like, w- like, why? And Kobe looked at him, you know, RIP to Kobe, and he looked at him and he's like, why do you think I'm the best basketball player in the world? It's like, I don't get bored with the basics. There's a difference between the basics. Basics are not easy. Fundamentals are not easy. In fact, when we think about expertise, it's often taking the, the basics and the fundamentals to the limits of their potential. And when you think about what a CEO, what is the fundamentals and the basics and the fundamentals of being a CEO? It's really five things. Number one is people, we talked about that. It starts with people, the right people on the bus. Number two is strategy. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? What is the direction? Like you can do a hundred different things. What are the things you are trying to take the company and being able to accomplish? Number three is actually executing. An idea means nothing without actually doing it. How are you setting up the systems and processes, the KPIs in place to make sure that you're actually making progress on that strategy. The last, and I think this is the one that gets super undervalued, no one really talks about, is cash. You can have a bad strategy, you can fuck up on a on a hire, but if you run out of money, the business is over, right? That is the one that I think people overlook the most. And is one that I think coming from an accounting background is one that I actually spend a lot of time thinking about. How do we think about profitability? More importantly reinvesting that back into the business, which I think is actually one of the most important things of the CEO, is how to allocate resources, both time and people and money. And then the last one is psychology. Eighty percent of the limits of a company is the leader. The gross potential of a company is the leader, and 80% of that limit is the psychology of the leader. The company will only grow to the limits of the leader, and the leader will only look, grow to the limits of their psychology. And if you're not focusing on your own psychology, the ability for you to really think about your own psychology, be able to to have deep keel, right? Not get swayed by the winds, not get swayed by the, the new shiny object syndrome, but rather having that consistency, the ability to be like, we are stubborn on vision, flexible on details. We know exactly where we're going and we're not going to adjust the sales every quarter. This is where we're going and you're either on the ship or you're off. And I think like understanding that psychology and not worrying about a pandemic, you know, derailing you, not worrying about a bad month derailing you, being able to be like, we're going to get through this. We're going to be able to get to the next level and Mm -hmm. being able to, to relay that psychology to the rest of the team and have them actually get excited about problems and excited about stress. And excited about all of the the issues. <laughs> I think that is one that that I think people really mis misunderstand, and it allows you to then go back and hire the best people because you're able to nail those those really those five principles.
1: Let how would you apply those principles to let's say running like a like a Chinese restaurant, or how does it apply to you know let's say you became the CEO mm-hmm. of uh, you know I'm trying to think of another like an e-commerce brand, right? So like uh, like this is a company called Peddled. Okay. So I guess, how would you think about being a CEO in these companies, like if you they, they bring you in today? Yeah, I mean, let's use a Chinese restaurant as an
0: example, right? When you go on Google and look at the reviews, what is the first thing people talk about? Food, full stop. And so what we talk about is the first principle, people, do you have the right chef? That's number one. Do you have the right chef? Is the right chef in place to be able to sh- make sure that you have the world's best product, the world's best Chinese food in your particular zip code? That's number one. When you're thinking about strategy, number two, Are you going to be a greatest value Chinese restaurant? Are you going to be the world's best Chinese restaurant? Are you trying to be Michelin Star Chinese restaurant? Are you trying to franchise, right? What is the vision you want to have for your company? What's the direction? They're all great. You have to decide what's most exciting. And and where strategy comes from is what can you be the best in the world at, right? If you can ask yourself, what can I be the best in the world at and work back from there, that'll help you decide the strategy. But obviously, like let's say you want it to be. The best value Chinese restaurant yeah. in the city, of course. Oh, come on, always, always the best value. <laughs> well, that then that starts with execution. How are you interacting with your vendors to keep the costs down? To translate that back mm-hmm. to your customers, how are you thinking about that in terms of your staff turnover? How are you thinking about that in terms of being able to keep your rent down? Like, how are you executing on delivering on that value? And then, this is where most restaurants fail: is the cash. They basically operate at super paper thin margins. Most restaurants fail in the first year because the tax bill arrives in January and they don't have any cash left over from executing the entire year to pay the tax bill. And so they're in and out within 11 months. And so thinking about the cash always the entire time, make sure that you can survive year two. And if you can make it to year three, most restaurants last forever, you know, like as long as they need to. And then the last one is psychology. I mean, as you know, working in a restaurant is one of the most stressful jobs of all time. Much respect. Soup. I mean, like you're working double shifts constantly, especially as the owner. How are you maintaining that that excitement? How are you maintaining that passion, thinking about that vision, to the point where the chef is now pumped? You're able to inspire the team to want to be like, we want to be the best Chinese restaurant in the zip code. And so when we talk about the fundamentals, we talk about that Kobe story, right? It's the layups, right? It's just, just, jump, it's just jump shots, right? It's just people. It's just strategy. It's yeah. just execution. It's just cash. More importantly, it's, it's just psychology. There's nothing really that advanced about these five principles. But what's most critical is how are you implementing that for your
1: particular business? So two things with that. And then I want to go into something that you talked about. How do you identify, like, say you're doing a chef or say you're doing a VP of marketing, Mm -hmm. like what stands out or what what can you recommend to people that are trying to hire the best people? That's, you know, that's one of the key things.
0: In terms of hire, I mean, hiring, you can talk about like one of the, the, the major five principles. It is one of the toughest things to really be able to identify within an interview process, who is the best in the world. What's extra tricky about it is the people that interview the best are often actually the worst because they've been interviewing the longest, right? The best in the world actually don't have their their answers super polished. They tend to be super rough around the edges. Oftentimes, you have to reach out to them directly or get a cold intro to jump on a call. And so they don't have these answers off the top of your head. What actually ends up sticking out is the work product. If you look at them and ask them about, hey, I'm, looking, I'm noticing your career path. I'm noticing that you've been able to accomplish things. And then you bring up a problem that the company is currently facing with and ask them, how did you solve this at X? What you're looking for in that answer is how would the best in the world answer this question? If I were to hire someone in the top 1%, how would they answer this question? And I think thinking about those things, being able for them to answer that in a way where you want to feel like you're learning something in the interview process. I feel like every time that I've hired someone that's been world-class, it's because I've, I'm learning more in that 30-minute call than I could have ever taught them. And that really shows like, hey, I'm hiring someone that's way better at me at this particular position than anyone else that I could have potentially hired. Number two is the details. Do they go above and beyond once they're engaged and excited about the interview process? Alona, she actually wrote a full script lifetime deal for herself. She's like, get a lifetime deal of Alona. And she's- she's, That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's like going above and beyond. It's like, uh, get a lifetime deal of Alona. This is what you get. These are the skills you know, like for the low, low price of X, Y, and Z. And so like, she went above and beyond. She really like tried to show the amount of value and how excited she was for the opportunity. I mean, you talk about all the time, the video that I created, right? If you're excited about the opportunity, you're excited about the vision, of course you can find people with skills and those are probably better as contractors. They're mercenaries. They just want to do the job and get out. But those that are bought in on the mission, they're going to go, this is amazing. This is life-changing. I want to go above and beyond for this role. To me, like the, the third component is, is what we call the Helsinki test. What is the culture fit? There's so many people that have incredible skills, but you sit there and have a coffee with them and you're like, it, like, I'd rather watch paint dry. And we call this the Helsinki test, which is if I were stuck on a layover in Helsinki with this individual, would I be pumped or would I, I hate my life? And if I would be pumped to be spending two hours with this individual in Helsinki, then to me, like, that's someone that I, like, I know that I'm going to be pumped about working with. I know they're going to help deliver the results versus someone that like can deliver results. But quite frankly, maybe he's an asshole. And like the last thing you want to do is hire a brilliant asshole. And those three elements really allow you to get to this position of either fuck yes or hell no. There's no in between. If you, if you start to try to excuse yourself and be like, well, maybe this can, person can work and maybe we can train them up, you've already lost the hire. Like you're already making the wrong decision. It's either a super clear yes or absolute hell no. And it was zero in between. We often send out uh, surveys. I'm gonna go one to 10, you can't pick seven. This is a perfect example. Everyone picks seven. You do not hire
1: sevens. They got to either be eight or above. Got it. I was going to talk more about being CEO in other companies. One thing I, you know, want to get to the the meat of you know, some of this interview. Mm-hmm. You know, so AppSumo. You know, we brought you on just by yourself. Company was doing around, I think, four four million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. In the past five years, we've taken it. You and the team mm-hmm. have taken it to eighty five million, or likely eighty five million this year. Amazing customers, amazing partners, mm-hmm. really great story. And you, you decided to step out. Yeah. So maybe you can walk, I think the the audience. So, you know, two things with that sort of question is like, why are you stepping out? Why now? Uh, and how, how did you get the courage to make that decision?
0: Yeah. It's, um, you know, why am I stepping down? I mean, it's literally the best time in the company history. So to me, like when you think about a company, there's three stages of the company. Number one, there's a the startup, there's the grow up, and then there's the scale up. And I think that startup, no, you're perfect for this, right? Like, Getting a company from zero to like zero to one million, get it off the ground, really being able to take it to that next level, I think is is your, like your sweet spot. Grow up. I mean, I think that's really where we've been, right? Where we're trying to get it from three. To be honest, if we do 85 million, I think like that's underselling. We might do 100 million this year. You're hiring the team in place. You're putting the processes in place. You're thinking about what is the long-term strategy of the business. And then the third component is scale up. What do we need to do to go from 100 million to a billion? What do we need to do in terms of thinking about hiring the next level executive team? What do we need to do to think about prepping ourselves up for IPO readiness, regulatory compliance, meeting with potential bankers, going through all of that process? And I think there's a three very different stages of the company. CEO is such a nebulous role that it's kind of hard to understand those three stages. So I'm going to use another role. Let's, go, let's use VP of sales. A VP of sales at a startup is jumping on all of the sales calls. They're the one actually calling the call, the, the customers and acting bigger than they are, and they're actually the ones closing the sale. In a grow-up, they are now building the team. They're hiring their first SDRs. They're hiring their first account executives. They're thinking about the process. They're thinking about the KPIs. In the scale-up, in the final stage, you are deeply thinking about advanced business development. You're thinking about Salesforce dashboards. You're thinking about integration. You're thinking about legal contracts. And to think that person number one should also be doing job number three, I think is a disservice to the company. I think when you start to think about that individual, I mean, they often sometimes can, but I think those are three very different skills. And I think it's also just cognizant that that's three different people. And so if we're willing to think about that for the VP of sales position, why not for CEO? Like, I think the CEO role, I mean, I I feel like I've been in nine different jobs as CEO over the last six years. But if we're to really chunk it down to those three major areas, the next stage of CEO is a completely different kind of CEO. Tim Cook is perfect for, apps, uh, for uh, Apple. Yeah. Sumo maybe. Hey, Tim, if you're looking, we need okay. you. So Tim is perfect for Apple right now, whereas Steve Jobs may not be. And vice versa, he would have been terrible when Apple first started. Mm. And so I think finding the right person for the right stage of the company is super critical. And then I think the last component is like, for me, like right now, like, I personally love the grow up stage. Like if I were to go back to the Kobe story. I want to become a black belt at the grow up stage. To me, like that's the, that that's an area that I want to double down on to really hone in my skills and focus on those layups and focus on those things and figuring out how if you're at three million, what is it gonna to take to get you to a hundred million? And figuring out what is that process over and over again, really going deeper on there. And sure, maybe in the future, scale up will be in the cards for me. But right now, to me, this grow up feels like the sweet spot for myself right now. And then the last one, where did the courage come from? To be honest, it never comes. It doesn't come. You know, it's still a very scary situation, to your point. It's the best Best time in AppSumo history. Honestly, for the right person, this is the world's best job. You know, people ask like, "Oh, like, why are you stepping down?" Like, I think the better question is like, "Why did I stick around for so long?" And I think it's how much I've learned, how many lives we've changed. I mean, partners text me like, "I'm going to name my company after, uh, name my yacht after AppSumo." Like, the amount of companies, the amount of jobs that we've created has been incredible. And like, I honestly joined Noah. I thought I was going to be here for eighteen months to two years, learn and move on, and. I think that's a testament to you, testament to the team, testament to the mission that I've, you know been here six years. And I think just recognizing like, look, we are now transitioning from a grow up to a scale up. And that type of CEO is a very different type of CEO. And I want to help find that individual and help transition that individual, whoever that person may be and help us get to that next level. But yeah, I mean, in terms of courage, it never comes. Honestly, like I think like I'm a big believer in the mantra of like go towards that which scares you, but excites you. You know, I did that when I, you know, moved across country, leaving my friends and family behind. When I moved to Munich, when I came to AppSumo, leaving a very stable job at Microsoft, my, all my friends and family and my parents told me I was crazy to come to a, uh, to Absumo, And it's honestly been the best decision ever. You know, even approaching my wife at a party, you know, seeing her, she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And I was terrified, but I'm like, if I don't approach her, I'm going to be terrified. And I'm, I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life. And so I think it's important for you to constantly be thinking about, go towards that, which scares you, but excites you. And, uh, to me, I think this is, a, uh, uh, the courage is not there, but it's, I think it's, it's what's best for the company. I think it's what's best for myself. Why not push yourself to g- learn the scale up stage or try that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think like, I'll flip that back to you. Like, why not you, right? Like, why not you learn the grow up stage, right? Like, if you were, asking, if I, if you were to answer that question. I know, but I'm asking you. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it, it's one of the, I mean, I think like I've had to push myself to learn a lot of the different things to even get to this point. It's very different doing everything yourself to building a team to now building the team that builds the team. And so at every one of those stages, it felt like, okay, I'm going to have to now re elevate myself and get to that next level, re elevate myself to get to the next level. The main thing in regards to the scale up stage is I think it's the type of type of skills that I think are very different. I think it's, it's thinking about compliance. It's thinking about, you know, regulatory. It's thinking about IPO readiness and. You know, uh, HR trainings and to me, like those are all things that I feel like are very preparatory. Versus, like let's get the foundations in place. And I think, like to me, my strength is much better on let's get the foundations in place and let's get us ready for the
1: scale up phase. Do you have self doubt or concern that you may like there might be some magic that the AppSumo business model and customers and partners made it very easy to be very successful here versus? You know, you go work at a candy company and be their CEO or you, you know, you go to a e-commerce or you go to one of the SaaS partners. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think
0: there's something very magical about AppSumo customer, the brand, uh, everything around there. Um, 100%. I think AppSumo is the best kept secret in tech. I think like there's no better place to launch and scale your business. And I don't think anyone's really talking about this. And I think that more than anything else, the opportunity to really get, take, take this company to the next level is going to be more about hype and getting the, the name out there than really anything else, right? I think like being able to really get the AppSumo name out there, I think is going to be huge. In regards to that, maybe, but I mean, I think that's part of the learning, right? It's like, how do you figure it out without that magic? I mean, how do you figure it out if it is a Chinese restaurant? But I think like that's that's all part of the growth and figuring that out. If you're constantly thinking about how do you con- constantly elevate your own skills, I don't think you can fail. I don't think you can you can make a bad decision when it comes to that. I do think that there's a very replicatable system for most businesses as long as they've got the right economics in place to be able to
1: put those five elements in place to be able to get to that next level. If you were to replace yourself, you can choose any company CEO to replace you and then they have to they have to come in. Right, who would you choose? I mean, the easy ones, right? Tim Cook, Elon Musk. Honestly, like I've
0: mentioned earlier, I think like the, the best one would probably be the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, if you're out there, what's up? 305. Yo, we got a, a job. That yeah, doing. we got another, I need, need another guy, Miami guy
1: out here. Okay, so, if he runs it, would he we move company in Miami. We, uh, I mean, we're, we're hybrid
0: remote. You can work from anywhere, right? Um, but I was talking about like AppSync was the best kept secret in tech. And I think he's done a great job of building hype and really getting us to that next level. But uh, honest, in, in all honesty, I think like probably Anjali Sud. She's the uh, CEO of Vimeo. She joined them as a director of marketing completely revisited their strategy transitioned them from competing against youtube to essentially being a video platform for businesses so it's like right up our alley and really has transformed vimeo into an incredible story and they literally ipo would this week and so anjali if you're out there and you're looking for your next gig
1: uh hit us up it's amazing they were i saw the stat they were bought for 25 million
0: that's insane in
1: 2006 and now they're worth that just vimeo portion of that business is seven billion God. That's a 14, 15-year pretty good return. Yeah, it's not bad. Any other company CEOs you'd be like? Everyone knows Elon and Tim Cook. I think Anjali's been interesting friends. Any other companies that you think are run well from your external point of view? I mean, I love what Andrew Wilkinson's done. I think like he's done a really
0: good job of like building up a portfolio of companies. I think he'd be uh, an interesting play. I, mean, I know he's doing his own thing. In terms of overall companies that have done a really good job, I think like the CEO of Fiverr, it's been really interesting seeing how they've gone And essentially turned what was $5 gigs into a $7 billion business, which is absolutely insane. That's been, that's been really exciting. Probably the CEO of Roblox. I mean, Roblox is a really interesting gaming play, but it's also a marketplace. It's also a platform. Unreal. It's, they've done a really, really interesting job. I mean, there's so many incredible companies out there that, that are basically crushes of mine in terms of how we look at how they've done things and try to reverse engineer that back at AppSumo.
1: Now, with your tenure here, you know, let's talk about some of the, uh, best things that you think you've, you've left behind and some of the mistakes that you, we can all learn from? Yeah, I mean, we call
0: these T3s, B3s, right? We do this internally. Uh, we're talking about what are the top threes and bottom threes of the last quarter, or last decision. I mean, for me, I think absolutely number one, we talked about hiring. I think like the team in place is definitely my, one of my, my T1. Number two, I think it was the decision to double down on LTDs. You know, we did that,
1: what, four years ago? So lifetime deals. Yeah, lifetime so maybe deals. So from like one year deals or six month deals. how did that decision come about? Looking at the data, honestly, it came from a T3, B3. We literally were like, well,
0: what's working? What's not? We realized we're doing a lot of eBooks and a lot of courses and like, yeah, they were making decent money, you know, but the software, the lifetime deals were doing 10X more. And we're like, I mean, clearly customers are enjoying this a lot more than everything else that we're doing. They require the same amount of effort. If we just doubled the number of lifetime deals, even without any extra work, we would double our revenue. So like, let's just do that. And so that was number two. And then the third one, I think was the... Knowing the vision of taking the LTD business, the white glove service, and eventually turning it into a marketplace. So really launching that out and seeing the exponential growth that's come out from it. And so, I mean, it's funny, like we worked on the product roadmap for the marketplace in 2017 in San Diego, like we're mapping it out and seeing that being able to be rolled out now has been super phenomenal. But more importantly, seeing the results come in has just been really exciting, growing 100% year over year. Every month is better than the previous month. It's just been super fun to see. In terms of B3s, I think if I were to bucket it all three, it would probably be rushing things, doing things too quickly and getting them out too quickly. Number one would be AppTumo. We pushed that out way too early. So AppTumo was the... Yeah, it was it was when we, we, we were on a very old website, old platform, old Django. We wanted to upgrade it to the latest and greatest for security reasons and for all, all customer experience reasons. And so we had rebuilt it mainly because PayPal was constantly failing. Like half of our PayPal transactions were falling apart. And we're like, we could either spend six months retrying to build the old version of PayPal or rebuild AppSumo from scratch. And we're like, let's rebuild AppSumo from scratch. And we're like, let's just launch it. We got to launch it. We could always revert it, or so we were told. We could revert it back if we needed to. We launched it. We started getting some information on some on the new database. And we're like, hey, the th- there's way too many bugs here. Let's revert. And we're like, oh, we can't revert. And so we had to just pile through. I think for three weeks, the entire team was on live chat, answering questions and trying to get back to customers. We rushed it way too early. Uh, so if I could, you know, give one piece of advice, spend a few more extra weeks really refining and getting that uh, the bugs actually perfectly clean before going live. Next was Briefcase. You know, we it was the fastest growing SaaS startup at the time. We went from zero to one million in ARR in five months, super fast. But we never spent the time. Finding out is this something even our customers want? And by the time we were at million dollar business, that's when we started actually like looking at the data and realizing, oh, the economics here really don't make sense, and this is like far from profitable. And we lost uh, like a million dollars. Yeah, just casually, you know, no big deal. Uh, luckily, you know, through the pivots. I mean, now briefcase and plus our loyalty programs have never been higher. We've more than made back that money over the past three years. It's now incredibly profitable, and it actually more is more in line with what our customers want and it's actually growing faster now despite doing zero marketing because it's more in line with what our customers want. I think the last one is we probably rushed into launching marketplace last year a little preemptively rather than like like it was something that had been building up for the last few years and we're like when are we going to launch when are we going to launch and it just felt like okay it's time. I think like all three of those moments if we were to just take a step back spend a little bit more time on on the launch phase the start phase I think we would have better set up all of them for a much smoother ride. I mean, granted, briefcase and both marketplace are doing great now. We might have had a, a much smoother launch uh, through
1: the three of those. If someone is out there, they're in college or they're just starting their online business mm-hmm. or they're a content creator, how can someone improve to become a, a CEO, to be a successful CEO, to be a better CEO? I think number one, it starts with effective communication. You
0: know, I think like if you're unable to effectively communicate both written and orally, it'll be hard for you to convey the ideas to the entire company. It'll be hard for you to figure out, like, how do we hire? How do we write a good job description? What is the strategy? How do we convey that to the team? Uh, So that's number one is just solid execution. Number number two is figure out where's your skill set? Where's your ideal skill set? Is it in sales? Is it in product? Is it in engineering? If you were to think about yourself as a T-shaped CEO, there's often this this concept of a T-shaped marketer, where you want to be super broad. You want to know a little bit about accounting You want to know a little bit about marketing. You want to know a little bit about sales. You want to know a little bit about engineering. You want to know a little bit about everything, but there should be one thing that you go deep on, one thing that you become an expert on, and that should be overlaid with the strengths of the company. And so figuring out on the entire executive team, you should know a little bit about everything to the point where you know enough about legal, where you're not necessarily a lawyer, but you're not led by legal, right? You're able to first focus on the strategy and and help, help there. And then I think the third one is focusing on those five fundamentals. Is figuring out how do you continuously double down on hiring, strategy, execution, people, and cash. The most important is just
1: bringing all three of those things together to help get to that next level. What do you think the difference there specifically if someone's a six figure CEO versus an eight figure CEO? Or, you know, even for yourself, like what were you doing as a seven figure CEO when you came into AppSumo versus an eight figure CEO? Like what was the day like for you at seven? Yeah. So I'd be curious what a day like for you as a, like a seven-figure CEO versus you know an eight-figure and a nine-figure CEO. Yeah.
0: I mean, when I first started, we're, uh, you know, remember, I was doing it all, right? I, Everything. Yeah. I was, I was literally prospecting on Monday, jumping on sales calls on Tuesday, writing the copy on Wednesday, email goes out Thursday, doing support on Friday, just to do it all over again following Monday. So literally doing it all. And that starts with you thinking about, okay, I need to hire for the process, right? If I'm spending all this time writing copy, could I hire one of my fun, my favorite comedians on Twitter to do the copy instead. You'll do a way better job. And now I can spend double the time doing sales, which is really my strength, right? Being able to focus on the, on the sales side. And so we hired Gruyon. Grouillon Grouillon's done a great job. He's still to this day. Now he's running our entire email team. One of the funniest guys in the world. And hiring him to do the copy now freed up one extra day. Hiring Ullman to do the sales, one of the best sales guys I know now allowed me to now double down. Hiring uh, Chelsea to do the deal setup and the operations component of the business I continue to open up the days. And so each day got progressively better and better, hiring to handle the support team. So now I have all five days taken care of, right? And I'm able to sort of take a step back. And you know now we're approaching eight figures, right? But the problem when you're at eight figures is now everyone's coming to you. You've got problems coming all over the place and there's zero context. They're constantly context switching. They're constantly firefighting. I remember going on vacation for two weeks. I literally had the laptop open the entire time because I'm like, I'm literally just firefighting the entire time. You have the team in place to do the work, but they're constantly coming you, to you to solve their problems. And you're like, okay, I need to come up with systems and processes that I can actually take a vacation. And so figuring out how do you empower them? How do you create the systems and process to the point where like now I literally go on a vacation. I don't have to open up my laptop and I know everything's going to get handled. In terms of the context switching, a great story is Sarah Blakely. So Sarah Blakely, uh, she's the... the I think, I think she was like one of the first uh, female billionaires, maybe the youngest female billionaire. She started Spanx and you know, when she became uh, a CEO walking down the hallway, one, I think her head of marketing asked her like, Hey, which package do you like better? The orange one or the purple one? She's like, okay, a purple one. And so they rolled out this new product line. The purple packaging was everywhere and sales were abysmal, way less than forecast. And she immediately was like, "What? what's going on here? So she went to Nordstrom, she looked at the shelves and she realized that their competitor was also purple. Their product was getting lost in the shelves. And so she literally went back to this person. She's like, why don't you tell me the context? She's like, oh, it was all there in the paper. She's like, you just told me in this hallway. And I literally just like looked at them and I'm like, yeah, purple's is better than orange. And they didn't give her the context. And so since then she structured her days to be like, okay, Monday's going to be for marketing. Tuesday's going to be for sales. And so that way her whole day is focused on one thing. And for me, I go back to, the five principles. So Monday for me is people. It's when I'm doing my recruiting. It's when I'm, in, I'm I'm doing the outsourcing. For us, we've switched it a little bit. Tuesday's execution. That's when we do our, our weekly meeting, our bi-weekly meeting. Because if you wait till Wednesday, like the week's already gone. So we want to make sure that we're starting the week strong Tuesday. Monday's a catch-up time. Tuesday's like, okay, what are we going to accomplish this week? So Tuesday's the execution? Wednesday's the strategy. Mm-hmm. So we have our strategy meetings on Wednesday. We're thinking of a little longer term. We're focusing on what do we need to do there. Thursdays for cash, usually when I'm meeting with the finance and accounting team. How are we doing on financials? What's our P&L looking like? How are we projecting on the month? And then the last one psychology. Fridays is the cleanup day. It's clean on inbox zero. How did we do in the week? or the T3B3s? And more importantly, how are we prepping for the following week? And so focusing on those five things is how I'm now structuring. It's not
1: even about the day. It's about the week. With that in terms of you structure your week, how would you also structure goals for the company? So have you structured either for yourself or for the overall business in the past you know, years? And has that changed at all?
0: Yeah, uh, I think there's this old adage. It's like, um, how do you eat an elephant? It's like one bite at a time. First of all, like what psychopaths yeah. eat an elephant? Yeah. Oh, like, that's that's this, r- you go to jail. It's ridiculous. I, I prefer the better phrases. Like if you want to move mountains tomorrow, start by picking up stones today. And so what does that mean? Goals is, okay, what is the mountain that I want to move? What is the big thing that I want to accomplish five years from now, 10 years from now? And how do I chunk that down? to something that I can do today. And so a perfect example is like, let's say you want to make a million dollars a year, right? I think that's an
1: aspirational goal for a lot of people. I when think they, they want to make a million dollars in their lifetime.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. But like let's say hey, I want to make a million dollars sure. in a year. Okay, so yeah. what do I need to do in three years from now in order to help me get closer to that goal? What do I need to do three months from now to help me get closer to that goal? What can I do three days from now mm. to get closer? And then what can I do in the next three minutes to move me towards that goal? And so you're taking this this giant monumental goal you're like a million dollars a year sounds insane to a lot of people, but for a lot of people, like they're like, that's a bad year for me, right? And like, what's the difference between those two? It's not skills. It's simply them chunking it down and figuring out what can I do to make incremental progress. And so for AppSumo, it starts with vision. We want to be the number one digital marketplace for entrepreneurs. We want to be the one-stop shop to scale and grow your business, whether you're a customer or a partner. And so if that's our aspirational goal, number one, full stop. What do we need to do in the next year? What do we need to do in the next quarter? What do we need to do in the next week? We're eating that elephant one bite at a time, like psychopaths, you know, like what we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're making it happen. We're doing it a little bit at a time. We create this one pager. It's like, what are we accomplishing this quarter for our four major engines? That's our revenue and profit engine, our partner engine, our customer engine, and our team engine. So those are our four major engines. What are the things we are doing for those four engines in order to drive the business forward? it's remarkable what you can accomplish when you really break things down to to small actionable tasks that way.
1: When did you start getting so into analogies? I feel like your analogy metaphor game, like, especially 2021, I don't know what happened to COVID, but like, you're like the mountains and elephants and like, they're great. And I think people understand that. Yeah. I feel like you, is there like a book you read? No.
0: You know, it's funny. I think you, you, like you, you talked to me like five years ago. You're like, yo, I'm terrible at analogies. Remember when you said that? No. You're, you're like, you're like, Oh yeah. "Yeah, Yeah. Um, I think it's, uh, I, I, it's it's an easy way for you to understand what I'm talking about, right? And this kind of goes back to communication, right? Sometimes you take these complicated topics and it's hard for you to understand it when you just get into the details, but when you jump into analogies, it allows people to really digest and understand it. And like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like I tell you the Kobe story, right? And it's like, oh, yeah. Fundamentals. Fundamentals.
1: You remember stories more than you remember like, hey, just go practice. Just, yeah, just go look at
0: your P&L every Thursday.
1: Like, yeah. Oh, okay, Sure. You know, it's
0: like, oh, no, show up every day and do 100 layups. You're going to get better, you know. And so I think it starts with just recognizing, like, when you're communicating to 100 plus people and a million plus customers, how do you do things that are memorable that people can understand? It's funny, like, you get you get you hear back from store. Like, I ran into a customer that talked about a copy that I wrote in 2016 because it started with a story. Written language, I think is what? Maybe 4,000 years old, maybe 5,000 years old, right? But like stories is hundreds of thousands of years old. It's part of our psychology. It's part of human, human. We've been sitting around campfires telling stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And so that's so much easier to remember than written language. And so I think if you're able to really hone those things in and really being able to, to focus on those stories, it helps people understand complicated problems. But more importantly, it makes it memorable so they can move, move, move on with a lesson that I think is valuable for everybody. And wrapping it up, what has been your most memorable deal and most memorable customer? Most memorable deal. I mean, it's funny. It was, it was literally webinar ninja. Omar, you're out there. What's what, up? Really? What, what, yeah, for sure. It was, you know, it was funny. Omar and I partnered and we're like thinking about this and Omar had this goal. He's like, I want to be the number one absolute deal of all time. And I'm like, let's make it happen. I loved his his ambition. I loved how excited he was about that. So great. I love Omar. Dude. Omar's one, one, Omar. One, one of the most genuine guys of all time. And I think like, um. Him and I working on it. I remember like spending way more time on that copy because I wanted I wanted to do something for him. I wanted to make sure that we accomplished that goal for him and helped him really help launch, launch webinar ninja to the awesome behemoth that it is today. And so thinking about the problem set for the customer, thinking about like how do we make sure that webinar ninja is is poised for growth and poised for launch, and it ended up being the number one deal at the time, which is absolutely incredible. It's, it's super fun. In terms of our number one customer. Not number one customer, just memorable customers that come to mind. Probably Dan Clark. Dan, if you're out there. So Dan is a sumo He actually bought Brain FM. It's a product we found. We found in 2017. You put it it on the map. Before they even had 1,000 users. And uh, Dan Clark, who's a sumo actually ended up buying Brain FM, using it for his engineering work. Found it absolutely incredible. Reached out to the founding team and joined as an engineer. And uh, he joined their company, was working with them just because he was such a huge fan. And it just so happened that the CEO position opened up, and so he became the CEO of Brain FM. So wow! He went from Sumo-Ling to customer to that's CEO. a story. And now he's now now we're uh, you know uh, a CEO of a former partner of ours and growing an A figure business. has just been absolutely phenomenal. So Dan, if you're out there, shout out Dan, so, shout Dan out Dan, Omar, our, all the SumoLink partners. So so much so much great uh, greatness in our
1: ecosystem. It's always amazing. Sometimes you forget how awesome our community is. Dan, that was good. What's your send off? So at the end of meetings, Eamon does this thing called send off. And so do you have a send off, uh, to the AppSumo, Sumo Lings partners team? I know that the, the next CEO of AppSumo
0: is listening. And if you're listening to this, whether it's you or someone you know, this is by far and away, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for the right individual. I think for the type of person that, that is ready for a scale up that is where AppSumo is right now, there has never been a business that impacts more partners, more customers has the opportunity to really create the next generation of entrepreneurs. If that's you or if that's someone you know, reach out. I mean, I think I think there's, this is absolutely an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm personally excited to start working with you. Can't wait to to help bring you on and, and have you meet the team and get take AppSumo to the next level and help create the next generation of entrepreneurs. And you are sticking
1: around. So yeah. you are not like, oh, yeah, for sure. it's not like you're out today. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, for sure. It's a send-off, dude. I love it, dude. AppSumo. Damn man, what a journey, dude. I, I remember from, you know, hiring you, running the whole thing by yourself. It was a little you and you still remember the number. When you were hired, there was yeah, one number. That's it. 120,000 120, a month yeah. to keep the lights on. That was our break-even amount that we yeah. need to pay for the office and the salaries. Insane. Now that's a bad day.
0: <laughs> that's
1: insane. Yeah, it's a bad day now.
0: Yeah, it went from millions a year to now millions a month.
1: Yeah, and just like the partners that you guys are work that the companies working with, the customers that buy it, they go like I was talking to someone yesterday, like, yeah, I bought Brain FM from you guys and like I'm still using it. And same. It's amazing.
0: I mean, it, people come to AppSumo because it's it's a solution discovery engine for them. Like I'm finding tools to grow my business and solve problems to things I didn't even know I had. Like I didn't even know that something like this was possible. And the ability to turn these small agencies to look like huge companies just simply through software is just absolutely incredible. And I think like the next generation of entrepreneurs is really going to be these freelancers and consultants. Content creators. Content creators that, that are literally like just solo empires that are just mm. literally using uh, AppSumo and the software that we partner with to really grow these little mini empires that help them create the life of their dreams and travel the world and, and buy the things they want to buy and give jobs to the friends that they, they have. I mean, to me, like, I, I, like what, what better opportunity?
1: This may or may not make the phone cut. And I do it. would will be like, "What? What do you want to do in your first day off? Like, let's say in a year, you have the first day off. Oh man,
0: first day off. I mean, I, the thing is, it's like I don't.
1: That's the other thing. It's like I'm not like
0: stuck. You know, like I, I I take days off all the time. You know, like that's the. It's like there's nothing that I'm like missing or like needing to to do. The one thing that I can't do is probably take an extended time off. And i probably like want to, to do like a, a longer hike, like a two week hike where I'm just completely off the grid, three week hike, maybe Patagonia, mm. maybe, maybe the Dolomites in Italy, maybe both, maybe both. Yeah. So, uh, maybe Antarctica. So, like, yeah. So to me, like a three week, four week hike where I'm just completely off the grid. One of those things, you know, it's a once in a lifetime and you can only do those at a certain age. And so that's something that I think would be really exciting. I look forward to you going. Hell yeah! I'm not leaving the company. Today, no, I'm not sure. here. Hi, I'm looking forward to it. brother. It's been it's been a ride, yeah, man. Absolutely, it's been so fun.
1: Well, that is a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as I did. If you did, go give Eamon some love on Twitter. Maybe hire him for his next gig. Just kidding. He's not going anywhere. It's at Broker Change at Broker Change. What an awesome Twitter handle. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's go eat funnel cake together. Who eats funnel cake, by the way? Anyways, before you go, tweet at me, at Noah Kagan, and let me know what you thought of this episode. And don't forget two things you need to take action on right now. Don't leave the episode. Go to youtube.com slash and subscribe. I know you already did it, so you can ignore this part. But then, go join sendfox.com slash Noah. I send exclusive weekly emails to my subscribers. I got a lot of juicy nuggets in there. Sendfox.com slash Noah. And you can create your own free newsletter at sendfox.com. Finally, a couple of shout-outs to my amazing team. Thank you to Jason at podcasttech.com for doing these episodes. He is one that makes them so fresh. Thank you to Mitchell, Jeremy, Huber, Jonathan Sauce, and Jen from the Dork Team. And shout out to Cam, the new guy. And finally, a shout out to Nick Christensen, who runs the marketing at AppSumo.com. So impressive to see how you grow, man. Really impressed with all the things you've put together. uh, And look forward to many more years with you. Have a spectacular spicy day. (laughs) What's your favorite type of sandwich?